This is a Federal News Network podcast. Welcome to Fed Life, a weekly roundup of news about federal pay and benefits, employment policy, and investing and retirement planning. Brought to you by WEPA. Here's your host, Tom Temin. Hello and welcome to the show. Everyone with a Thrift Savings Plan account remembers the launch of the new customer website last year. But a year on, the site does operate a lot better. Everything's not perfect, though. For one expert analysis, I spoke with retired federal manager and the owner of AG Financial Services, Abe Grungold. We started with a brief review. The TSP website now is, you know, a mature site. It's been there a year. What is your overall assessment? Is it a happy anniversary? Well, you know, like in every scenario, Tom, there are good stories and there are some bad stories. But what what I have seen recently with the TSP website is some great improvements with the wait times. I have not had any recent issues uh, with technical assistance, but I have heard some complaints of people, participants having frozen accounts and also not being able to get their monthly withdrawals. Uh, My suggestion to those people when I do speak to them is to stay firm with your request and to ask for your issue to be escalated to a manager or a team that can handle your issue. There are teams in place to handle the issues if they're too complicated for the first person that you speak to when you call in. And have you found that those first people that you do speak to when you call in, in general, are more knowledgeable, more responsive, more able to resolve situations? Because I know TSP says it has put a lot of effort and resource into making sure those people are, first of all, the numbers are there, and that they're trained with the knowledge they need to help people. Yes. Uh, you know, when when you speak to someone, they want to help you. They do want to help you. And they have a good understanding. And from my own personal experience, I found that they had to put me on hold for a little bit. Maybe they need to check with a senior person or a supervisor. But uh, they do get back with an answer. And, and I've been on some calls where they've lasted at least 30, 45 minutes. So <clears throat> you can't get upset when you call in. You have to be patient. And you have to be clear with the request that you're trying to make because there's so many different things going on on the website. The person that you're speaking to could be a little confused with what you're asking. And you're calling in in the first place because of something the website itself didn't do or what? Yes. You know, in in the beginning, the website was very difficult to find things and to ask execute various tasks on the website. Uh, I went on the website last night, and it's funny. To me, the website looks a lot like the previous website. The, The look of it is like the old website, the tabs at the top and the tabs on the sides. A lot of the graphics and photos have been removed. And I found the website works well as far as to navigate 
and to find whatever you're looking for. So there shouldn't be much of a need to call in to uh, find something on the website. And there are also some instructional videos on how to find information. I think that's very important. And they're right at the bottom of the homepage. So that, that's very helpful. So you're saying that in the gradual and pretty consistent work they have been doing on it since the launch to try to fix the issues, and, you know, the TSP board has been holding its flame to the feet of the of the developer, of the operator of the website, of the of their contractor there, you're saying that they have actually made it appearance-wise look like the older site, different yes. from what it did when it <laughs> launched? Yes. Honestly, when you look at it now, when you look at it now, it doesn't have all these large graphics and photos of people like tapping on the computer. They removed all of that. And they made it more of a menu-driven website, especially the homepage. Because when I first logged in, when, when it changed over, it's like, where do I find the details of my investments? I couldn't find them. And I couldn't find the beneficiary page. And I couldn't find some other items regarding my monthly withdrawals. So now... It is clear at the top, the tabs, and on the side that you can click on these areas easily, and you can also go back to the home page easily, which was a bit uh, difficult before. But I do find the the ability to navigate on the website has really, really improved, and that is very important uh, for participants. We're speaking with Abe Grungold. He is a retired federal manager and owner of AG Financial Services. Anything you still found that, golly, they need to work on this? Yes, Tom. There is still one outstanding issue that needs to be somewhat uh, corrected. And and the issue is uh, with respect to monthly withdrawals. If you want, if you're making a monthly withdrawal, and you want to change that amount, uh, you cannot do that on the website. You cannot change your monthly withdrawal. You have to call in and you have to speak to a representative who who is going to cancel your monthly withdrawal, and then you have to create a new one. And they have informed me that that should only take a few days to do. But from a personal standpoint, this is what I need to do. I want to increase my monthly withdrawal just by $500 a month. I shouldn't have to cancel my monthly withdrawal to do that, and I shouldn't have to create a new one. I should be able to just go in and alter the figure of what it is I'm taking out per month. Now, to, to cancel it, you have, again, you have to speak to a representative, and then you have to create a new one, and that takes a little bit of paperwork uh, that you can do online. But then a uh, verification has to go to your spouse. Your spouse has to approve that monthly withdrawal, and hopefully that can be done in the span of time that they said that it's supposed to be done. So I am not going to do mine 
until January uh, for tax purposes. But I I do need to make that change, and it should be a uh, an easy uh, change to do for anyone. But it sounds like something that the website then could not do, because if you need spousal or other party approval, significant other approval, then why would you be able to change it arbitrarily on your own on the site? How would that approval get into the process? Sounds like they're trying to ensure that that approval happens, and therefore there's a manual workaround that can't be automated. That's what it sounds like. Well, it it sounds like that they cannot have an email sent to the spouse when you make a change. Now, in other words, what, that's what, the old system would then it wouldn't effectuate once you dialed in that new number, but it would send a email to the spouse who would then ratify it and then it would happen. Yes, they, there had to be some sort of a notification uh, either by mail or electronically that your spouse has to approve um a, a a withdrawal but again i i got the approval of my wife the first time i made it so by just changing the figure uh that amount is again going direct deposit it's not like it's going to a secret bank account and before we let you go abe i wanted to ask your thoughts on this lawsuit there is a class action if it can be determined to be a class action they're not there yet i don't believe against the tsp board because they could not obtain loans and withdraw money for a certain period of time early on not sure how big liquidated damages are in reality there do they have a chance, and is this worth pursuing, I wonder, in your view? Well, I honestly don't know how that lawsuit is going to be resolved. It's going to take years just to look over the information, the transactions, uh, all the people that are going to uh, file under that class action. I mean, I understand the frustration that participants have, both active and uh, retirees. But, you know, Tom, it kind of reminds me of the of the time when I needed to get a home equity line. And I went to Citibank to get a home equity line of credit. And after three months of working with them, I couldn't get my home equity line of credit. I went to Chase Bank and I was able to get it within an hour. So, you know, <laughs> things happen. Now, I didn't go back to Citibank and sue them. Well, I still have a check on my desk at home that I got probably 25 years ago for like $1.50. <laughs> and it was from the WorldCom settlement. Kids, you have to look up that one. It goes way back. I didn't even know I had any interest in WorldCom. But I'm sure the lawyers got millions and millions and millions and millions. And as an individual in the WorldCom case, I got a dollar and a quarter, a dollar fifty, whatever it was. Still have the check as a souvenir. I never cashed it. So, you know, you might win and you'll win a dollar and a half. <laughs> so, you know, was it worth the Tsarist, I guess, all those years? Yeah, I Tom, I really understand that. I've gotten those small dollar checks of the mail myself uh, for different class actions that have gone on with some of my brokerage accounts over the years yep. or investments. And I don't even understand why I get these small dollar <laughs> checks, but yep. they they do happen. And uh, again, it, it's very sad that these people 
uh, have suffered uh, with the TSP, but they shouldn't give up on the TSP. Uh, and they should, uh, you know, certainly have the right to this class action lawsuit. I just don't know how they're going to assess any type of financial damages. And really, the, the timetable is going to take years to resolve. Abe Grungold, a retired federal manager and owner of AG Financial Services. We'll take a short break. And when we return, a piece of good news for one law enforcement branch of the government that many think have been underpaid for too long. You're listening to FedLife here on Federal News Network. I'm Tom Tammany. Welcome back to FedLife here on Federal News Network. I'm Tom Temin. It took years of back and forth, but Transportation Security Administration employees, particularly the Transportation Security Officers, the TSOs, woke up to a pay increase just over one week ago, a big one. Earlier, I spoke with Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday about the details and the effect they're having at TSA and that sticky question of how the agency will continue to pay for the raise. Tell us about the new scales that were just instituted here. What's going on exactly, Justin? Yeah, the new pay scale instituted by TSA this month is really intended to mirror the general schedule wage system used across much of the rest of the federal government. A lot of wages at TSA were as high as 20 to 30 percent lower than the general schedule wage system when you looked at how people were paid based on how long they'd been at the agency and so on and so forth. And so these increases were actually funded under the Homeland Security Appropriations Bill passed by Congress late last year. The reason that they're just now hitting paychecks is because that bill only funded the increases for the fourth quarter of fiscal 2023, which of course started in July. And so late last week and into the weekend, TSA employees started receiving their first paychecks under this new pay system. As I mentioned, some received as high as a 31% pay boost. And, and, you know, officials kind of celebrated this at Ronald Reagan Washington National Airport last week during a press conference. This has been many years in the making for some folks. We talked to Benny Thompson earlier in the program, who's who's been on this issue for a while. And finally, I guess for TSA employees now, they can say that they're on the same level sure. in, in some ways compared to the rest of the federal government. Now, is this only for the transportation security officers or were the pay scales low across the board, like for procurement and information technology and public affairs and policy people? So this was across the board, but the biggest effect was for the transportation security officers because they really were the ones who were stalling out in TSA's previous pay ban system. It's still a pay ban system, but now they've changed how it works with this new funding so that folks kind of move up the pay ban system more in line with their experience and their performance at the agency. And just a week in, they are already noticing a recruitment effect from this. Yeah, well, the fact that these were announced with the appropriations bill back last December uh, has already had an effect ahead of these th- this pay increase really taking uh, being implemented. The attrition rate for TSA was 19.1% in fiscal 2022. That's pretty high. But since last October, TSA says it has seen a 61% reduction 
in attrition. Uh, that's so far in fiscal 2023. So uh, they've seen a 30% increase in the number of job applicants as well, who, who obviously know that these pay increases are coming. TSA Administrator David Pekoski discussed uh, these pay raises and, and how they've really helped the agency out at a crucial time during this press event at the Reagan National Airport last week. If you think of what's happening right now in the United States with the recovery from the pandemic and the increase in air travel, we would not have been able to be as successful as we have been this summer with record volumes of passenger travel through this airport, through BWI, through Dulles, through airports throughout the country, were it not uh, for this pay increase. So what that means is we retain talent, we don't have to recruit and retrain and spend the funds to do that, and that increases our overall experience base uh, across the agency. And what about the other employees that are not TSOs? Because when Homeland Security was established, the TSO was kind of a new creature, a new job in the federal government. But the other jobs at TSA are the standard types of jobs that all the other DHS components already had. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I think federal air marshals were expected to see as high as a 20 percent pay increase. Uh, You know, this also affected jobs ranging from canine handlers, explosives specialists, behavior detection specialists, cybersecurity experts. Cybersecurity has become a big thing at TSA lately. And then intelligence analysts, analysts, uh, among others, really affected everyone except for the folks who are executives and that's in that senior executive service at TSA and some of the the, the high-ranking headquarters jobs. Uh, but as we mentioned before, the changes were most dramatic for the TSO screeners, those 50,000 or so folks who make up the bulk of the TSA workforce and who are in blue uh, at the airport screening lines. And so I spoke to David Pekoski, TSA's administrator, after this press event at the airport last week. He talked about how, you know, if you've been at the agency for 20 years, for example, you probably saw that pay raise north of 30% because that's where people were really stalling out in the middle of their careers as TSOs. For younger employees or new TSA employees, it's generally more of a 5 to 10% increase at first. But the key here is that they know that they can move up through TSA's pay bands much more quickly and get more pay as they move along. That gives you automatic career progression. What we find in Customs and Border Protection has a very similar program. What we find is once an employee joins TSA, if they spend more than a year with TSA, they're likely to spend many, many more years after that. You know, we need to make sure that we show a path for increased responsibility and increased pay that goes along with it. Then it comes back to the question of appropriations. As you mentioned and Benny Thompson mentioned, the appropriation has got to be there for the ensuing years if they're going to be able to you know, not be in a situation where they are, have an unfunded thing they're trying to spend on. Yeah, there's a few complications with the appropriations process and this TSA pay increase going forward. You know, the first is is that the appropriations process right now is pretty strained. Uh, you, ha- you have these new budget caps. You, you have some conservative House Republicans trying to roll that back, basically put, put even more budget caps in place going forward. So there's, there's just a disagreement around generally where the appropriations bill should land in general, including Homeland Security. And then in the House Appropriations Committee's version of the fiscal 2024 spending bill, they actually strip back the pay raises for non-TSO employees. So for the, the canine handlers, federal air marshals, cybersecurity experts and others that we talked about earlier, they, they would not that bill would not continue the pay raises for those non-TSO employees. So there's some things that need to be worked out here over you know the next two months before the end of fiscal 2023 
and then if there's a continuing resolution uh, into the fall and winter time frame. And that's on the pay side. And TSA is also looking at a collective bargaining agreement this year on everything but the pay, correct? That's right. Uh, TSA and the American Federation of Government Employees have just started negotiating a full collective bargaining agreement. TSA has had limited collective bargaining since 2011, been able to negotiate things like time and attendance, shift bids, parking and uniforms. This full collective bargaining is another step towards kind of aligning TSA's system with the rest of the federal workforce. They'd be able to negotiate uh, some high priority things like mandatory overtime going forward. I I spoke to Administrator Prokoski about that issue a little bit as well. My goal is to have a very good and productive relationship with the bargaining unit and the bargaining unit employees. Uh, and, And that really begins in the negotiations for the collective bargaining agreement. So, so far, very positive. We've made a lot of progress. Uh, I'm hoping in the not too distant future, we're able to sign something. Is there a goal to get there by January of this year? I, w- year? I would I would certainly like to get it done uh, this calendar year, if at all possible. Yeah, considering some negotiations in government go on for a year and a half, two years, three years, sometimes even longer than that. Federal News Network's Justin Doubleday. You can find his reporting on the TSA pay raise at federalnewsnetwork.com. One of the big congressional movers of the raise was Mississippi Democrat Benny Thompson, ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee. Here's a bit of what he had to say. This has been a long struggle for us to get something of an adequate pay raise so that comparability and other things will equal other individuals in the federal workforce. Actually, it's been over 15 years uh, that we've been struggling to get to this point. We've had other moments when we've been close, but, you know, close only really counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. (laughs) So what we have with the uh, omnibus package that we passed last December, we included in there somewhere around a 25-30% increase for our TSOs and some other air marshals and other people uh, that they really need it. You can't expect a labor force to be happy when they know they are underpaid. And if you underpay me, you can tell me all you want to, you appreciate me. But what I hear oftentimes, so well, I understand what you're saying, but you can show me better. So what we now have uh, is a significant pay increase for almost 50,000 employees within the TSA operation that desperately need it. Every week I go in and out of my local airport. You know, I see people getting up four o'clock, four thirty in the morning, going to work. And as you know, for one period, they'd work four hours and go home and have to come back later. Well, we've seen all those challenges and somehow they stuck. Now I saw some people get, you know, a year in grade and they transfer. Well, they transfer because there are other opportunities that put people on the GS schedule. They know exactly how much money they'll be making three years from now, four years from now. Unlike our TSOs, I could never get someone to fully explain to me what that pay scale for TSOs was. They're government employees. They ought to be paid like all other government employees. Congressman Benny Thompson, ranking member of the House Homeland Security Committee. And that's it for this week's FedLife. We'll be back next week with more on federal pay, benefits, and anything else affecting your work life. Find much more at federalnewsnetwork.com. Until then, I'm Tom Tammen. Thanks for listening to FedLife here on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. 
You can listen to this episode and any past episodes anytime at federalnewsnetwork.com or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Search FedLife.